Welcome back to the Gospel Baptist Church podcast, where we focus on the Bible and God's plan for our lives. Though this day in history is filled with pain and confusion, the Bible offers the hope and instruction we all need. So let's dive into today's message and hear how God's Word has the answers for today. Children's Church is dismissed now. Now you are dismissed. I don't know where everybody is today. John chapter 15 in your Bibles. John chapter 15 in your Bibles. I'm sure that um, most of you have heard of the phrase the glass ceiling. So what's a glass ceiling? A glass ceiling is a metaphor used to, re- to represent an invisible barrier that prevents a given demographic from rising above a certain level. When certain people or people groups find great difficulty in breaking the glass ceiling, they feel marginalized. Maybe you've experienced that yourself. The glass ceiling prohibits some who have the same experience and qualifications as others from advancing in the industry. And I've had people come to me and talk about that, and it is a grief. I think we understand that. The feminist movement was begun over what they perceived to be a glass ceiling, whether fairly or unfairly it may be. And I don't want to talk about social and political issues this morning, but I do want to talk about a glass ceiling. There is a glass ceiling that does exist in the life of Christians. And this glass ceiling is one in our, of our own making. I would say it's a self-inflicted glass ceiling. I think we need to talk about it today. We're in the, the 15th chapter of John and we are entering into the last few hours of our Lord's earthly life. He had celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He had instituted communion, which we often call the Lord's Supper. Make sure you're there for that next time. We had a great time last time we were there. And had it together. But the Lord had washed his disciples' feet, and Judas Iscariot had left the rest of the twelve to betray his Lord and his master for a paltry sum of the price of a slave. The Lord had, had told his disciples that Peter would deny him, and the rest of the disciples would be scattered. They were troubled, but our Lord responded with those precious words that we love so much. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Shortly afterwards, Jesus gave his disciples many promises to claim, and we spoke about that last week. But our Lord knew his disciples were about to face the trial of their lives. All of them were. And he wanted to give them peace. He wanted to give them comfort. And he was just minutes away from the Garden of Gethsemane, where he would be arrested and taken. He was in the last few moments of his freedom on earth. The disciples would be on their own. And they would have to have a choice. They would have to make their own choice. Will I remain in my dwarfed Christian life? Never advancing. Or will I advance beyond this self-imposed glass ceiling? See, they had to decide whether their growth was going to be stunted. Or whether it was going to take off. The title of this morning's message is God's Answer to Our Invisible Barrier. God's Answer to Our Invisible Barrier. We're in John chapter 15 and we're going to read the verses there. It says here, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. 
Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no more than no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father... I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that what that you, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. I pray for the empowerment of your spirit. I claim the filling of your spirit, the cleansing of your blood, the power of your resurrection, the presence of your Holy Spirit. I do pray you bless your word this morning and bless it powerfully. Please use your word, please be with your people, fill them with your spirit. And I pray the word of God will have free course in our lives this morning. And I pray we learn some very, very important lessons about abiding in the vine. We need this, Lord. We need this. Even if we've heard this before, even if we have the verse memorized, even if we have the chapter memorized, we need what we're going to talk about this morning. I'm praying you'd empower your word. I pray it'll become part of our everyday life. Lord, light a fire among your children. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Number one, abiding in Christ is key to our spiritual life. Abiding in Christ is key to our spiritual life. We've read the verses already, but look, look at Jesus quickly at verse 1 and 2. Jesus said, I am a true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth no, more no fruit. Audio. What was that? No audio. No audio, okay. Well, I, we're going to have to use uh, the... Um, Microphone because the other, the other sound system doesn't work properly. So can we use the? Okay, so where's where's the? Um, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering. Okay. I will try to get it through this week. I had a very busy week. But this is not a challenge. Welcome back, Sean. Show me the deep end. It's what you do, eh, man. That's what happens around here. Hurry up, Sean. <laughs> patience, for your own patience. <laughs> you know we love you, Sean. <laughs> All right. So we'll use this 
Okay, uh, there may be a few scratches and all that, but it's better than the headset. Um, as I said, I had like five different headsets spare, <laughs> and none of them work. So that's crazy, but that's the way it goes, and the shop is closed down, so I have to find another one. So if anybody wants help source with that, no problem. If you want to help me source headsets, I'd, be, I'd very much appreciate that. I just had a really busy week, and this week is going to be busy as well. But we'll find a way somehow, and if people want to help with that, I'd really appreciate that. Just to let you know, that was, that's a free, that's for free. All right, so we're in John chapter 15. We've read it this morning. Okay, so first thing, number one, abiding in Christ is key to our spiritual life. And our relationship with Jesus Christ is illustrated by the grapevine. Look at verse one. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that he may bring forth more fruit. So the Bible really brings out our relationship with Jesus Christ is illustrated by the grapevine. Even today, if you go to Israel today, you will realize that the land abounds with grapevines. You see them everywhere. Vines everywhere. And I remember, I don't remember seeing them so much in Israel. I, maybe I just wasn't looking, I was looking at other stuff. But I remember driving, or not driving, but on a train in Germany, you're going uh, from one place to another. I can't remember where we were, go where we were going, Mannheim to Verheim or something like that, or one of those Heim things. And uh, you're, 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 you're seeing all the, the, the uh, grapes on the side of the road. It was amazing. You know, Grapes are very, were a very, very important part of Israeli culture. In Bible, in Bible times, grapes were one of the main harvest products. Deuteronomy 16, 13. Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days. After that, thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. Now, the Lord is not talking about gathering in wine bottles. He's talking about gathering in grapes. And the word uh, uh, for wine in the Bible is a generic word. As you study through the word... Uh, through the Old Testament and through the New Testament, I've done it several times, multiple times, you'll see there's four different types of wine mentioned. There is alcoholic wine mentioned. There is non-alcoholic wine mentioned. There, are, there is puree mentioned, where you, where you, um, you know, what we call cordial. You know, you mix up the juice with the water. That's, that's called wine in the Bible. And there's a fourth type of wine, and that's grape on the cluster. And they squeezed the grape into the cup directly, and that was called wine. And so even the grape on the cluster still, maybe you can call that the fifth wine, because here is a, an example, and there are other examples in the Bible, but even the grapes, they're still on the cluster, they're still on the vine, and it's called wine. The fruit of the vine was essential to the sacrificial system in Israel. Numbers 15, verse 5, and the fourth part of a hint of wine for a drink offering, chateau, prepare with a burnt offering, or sacrifice for one lamb. The abundance of vine and flocks were evident blessing of God. When, when there was lots of sheep around and lots of goats around and, and milk. The Bible says it was a land flowing with milk and honey. The milk referred to the, the goats everywhere. And then the honey, of course, well I, I should say of course, but we're told it was the honey from the dates. No date honey. But then it was also a, a land full of wine, and the wine with the grapes on the vines everywhere. And it says in Deuteronomy 7, I will and he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, the corn and thy wine. It's a blessing from God. Thine oil, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks, the kind of the cows, of course, and the flocks of thy sheep, in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. I want to tell you something this morning. 
Bible wine is a blessing from God. Judges 9 verse 13 tells us that the vine cheereth God and man. We're being robbed of that truth today. Because if you, on two levels, because if you mention the word wine, people automatically think of of alcoholic wine. Plonk. Alcohol. When you mention wine. And that's not biblically true because, yes, it was part of the wine mentioned in the Bible in the negative sense. But also encompasses the grapes and the vine. It also encompasses the, the cordial. It also encompasses non-alcoholic wine. The Bible says that this wine, this non-alcoholic wine, this fruit of the vine cheereth God and man. And if you go to Littles, you can't find grape juice. You go to Dunn stores, you can't buy grape juice. You go to you 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 go to multiple places. You, you, we, we have to go to polio stores to get the, the, the fruit juice for our Lord's Supper. Not that I have any objection to going to polo stores. I like going to polo stores. But my point is this: you can't get it in Lidl's, you can't get it in Dunn's, you can't get it in Tesco's. They are robbing us of the blessing. Because in Bible times, it, it talks about wine as uh, the grape of the vine being something that's beautiful that refreshes you. I mean, on a nice hot day in America, they love their lemonade. Oh, so refreshing. Remember being in the Philippines, and I'd have a mango juice every morning. Oh, it's so good. Love mango juice. I see the Filipino heads nodding. It's really good stuff. It just is. And you go to Israel, and pomegranate juice is so good. And so we say these things, but if I was talking to somebody in the Bible and I say, and a fresh cup of wine as a grape juice, they would go, oh, so good. That blessing is being robbed from us because our culture doesn't believe in it. Oh, they say wine is good for your heart. The alcohol part isn't, but the red, ruby red grape juice is very healthy, very good for you. In fact, we should drink more grape juice, ruby red grape juice. There's so many things about grape juice that's really, really good for you. Cheers, everything. I can say something I want. Very good at this stage. But, you know, grape juice is really, really good for you. Pure grape juice. Matthew Henry gives further insight concerning the vine. The vine has an unpromising outside. Isaiah 53, T. Isaiah 53, 2 tells us that Christ had no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there was no beauty that we should desire him. There was nothing beautiful, there was nothing an, an amazing to look about Jesus, uh, to, 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 to think about Jesus as he looked, as we looked upon his exterior, but there was something beautiful on his, on his inside, and the idea here is that the vine didn't look great on the outside, but on the inside, something came from it that was amazing. Jesus is the true vine. The wild ones bear bitter fruit, but Jesus bears the true fruit, isn't that right? Henry also points out that the, the root of the vine is unseen. When we walk with Christ as we ought, our life is hid with Christ in God. And so the Bible illustrates our relationship with him. He is the vine, we are the branches. Our relationship with Christ is, is main, illustrated by the vine, but it's also maintained by the word. Verse 3 now ye are clean through the word, word which I have spoken unto you. It amazes me that some people will go for days without eating. It's amazing. 
When's the last time you ate? Last week. You don't feel like eating? No. You're getting pretty skinny. Getting emaciated. Don't you think you should eat a little bit more? No, I'm fine. I'll be grand. It's like the man who had a horse. He said, I'm training my horse not to eat. Didn't last very long. I won't say any more because some people like horses around here. I like horses. Well, the point is, you can only get emaciated for so long before you keel over and you're in trouble. And I think that what my illustration is, is very clear. The Bible says in verse 3, Ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. We need the word of God to get cleansed. We need the word of God to get saved. Oh yeah, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But you need the word of God to, to, to live the Christian life. It is much harder to backslide if you're in the word of God every day. Now, some people are talented, they can do it. But it's a lot harder, isn't it? When you're in the Bible every day and the word of God is going into you, it's harder to backslide. And you know, that's because the Bible keeps us from sin. But you can still get into the Bible every day and still indulge in sin. I mean, the Bible is a book of instruction. We as parents can give instruction to our children. When we give instruction to our children, our children have to make choices. They're either going to go with what we say, or they're going to learn the hard way. Some people are two by fours. They just love, you know two by fours, you know that big stick? Some people, you know, need two by four, they just need a whack on it sometimes. I'm not trying to be that, but they have to learn the hard way. Oh, I mean, why should I learn the easy way that I can learn the hard way? It's more fun. Sometimes. But you know, giving your children instruction doesn't mean they're going to do it. Isn't that right? Now, if they're wise, they will, but they won't always. And reading the Word of God doesn't always mean we're going to do what it says. If we're wise, we will. But if we're unwise, we won't. Sometimes we read the Bible and we treat it like the pastor I used to have. I used to have a pastor when I was going to a church years ago. And, and uh, he does an American mission. He came to Ireland. And he was showing him around the place and... And he, he was pretty hot on the, you know, on the accelerator. He liked to, to go quite fast. And uh, by the way, I didn't try to keep the speed limit on the way in, okay? <laughs> but uh, I get there as far as I can, but I try to keep it. But anyway, but this pastor was, was uh, going quite fast. And the American missionary says, what are those speed limits for? It says 30 miles an hour. These are the old days when it was miles an hour. It says 30 miles an hour and you're like going 50. And the pastor turned around and said, oh, they're just suggestions. You know, if you go to the book of Exodus and you get to chapter 20, it's not called the Ten Suggestions. It's called the Ten Commandments, amen? God doesn't give us a book of wisdom to say, well, here's a suggestion for you. If you have any better ideas, fill me in and let me know. Or maybe I'll update my Bible so we can change it. You know, God has given us his word because he knows what we need. I'm so glad a book that is thousands of years old is filled with all the wisdom we need for today. Aren't you glad about that? We need his Bible. And we don't want to treat his Bible like suggestions. We need to read it. Because sometimes as we read the word of God, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ blesses us with the truth. We say, oh, that was so good. It's like a good steak. Oh, that was good. Oh, that tasted good. Sometimes he gives us some encouragement to obey. And he shows us what we need to do. You know, we need to do this to obey. And you're encouraged to obey. Sometimes he convicts us of sin. 
shows you what you're doing wrong. And it's not a suggestion. He wants you to change and he convicts you of sin, something he wants you to, to deal with in your own life and you have to respond. But listen, here's the thing. When God convicts us, he wants us to do something about it. If God, the God of heaven, who created all the universe, if the God of heaven, who created this tiny little dot of an earth in the midst of a massive universe, and who created millions and millions and billions of people, and there are like 8 billion people on earth right now, and you're one of those 8 billion people, and if God will take the time to, to invest in your life, to convict you of something, I think it's worth listening to the Spirit of God, don't you think? Because it just tells me and it tells you you're important to him. You're valuable to the Lord. If he convicts you of sin, confess it and forsake it. Psalm 19 verse 13. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and shall be innocent from the great transgression. We commit presumptuous sins. Do you know what that means? We sin on purpose. There are times we do stuff and we know what's wrong. We know it's wrong, but we exert our will. Lord, you don't understand. As if he didn't. He knows everything. I think we do well with a bigger dose of humility when it comes to that type of thing. Wouldn't you agree? Humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble thyself, and the sergeant Lord, he shall lift thee up. Let's not be presumptuous with our sins. Instead, let's abide in Christ. Because when we abide in Christ, when I say abide in Christ, you know, we just had to plug in the piano this morning, just plug in the, 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 the whatever that thing is called, the damper thing, whatever it's called, I can't remember what it's called. But when, when, we, when we plug that in, it works. It keeps the piano in tune. You unplug it, it doesn't work. You've got to stay plugged in. Because our relationship with Jesus Christ is empowered by abiding in him, by plugging into him. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide in me... He is, if you abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Not a good end. Christianity is unlike any other religion. Some people treat Christianity like it's a clock in, clock out. I don't get it. And I wonder if people treat Christianity like you clock in and you clock out. I wonder if they don't get it. Because Christianity is not a religion that you do your duty to. <laughs> you do your Sunday thing and then you leave again. That's not Christianity at all. Christianity is a living relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. A living relationship with the God who made you. When a man gets saved, gloriously saved... He goes forward and he, he declares his faith. And this is how you know someone's getting saved. I mean, people can fake it. We get that. But when someone comes forward and wants to be baptized, that's a, a public declaration of their faith. If they want, don't want to get baptized, then you have to wonder, well, do you, are you saved? 
So the first thing you do when you, you get saved is you get baptized. And the next thing you do after you get baptized is you identify in, with the church. You become a member of Gospel Baptist Church. And, and, and just so people know, if you don't already know, we have what's called junior membership and we have adult membership. So when a child gets saved, and this is a safety feature of our church, and, and the adults really appreciate it, those who we've talked about, uh, talked with it about, um, uh, uh, that's bad English, but you get the point. But anyway, um, but the children, they, 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 they become a member, but then they lose their membership when they hit about 20. And they have to enter into adult membership at the age of 20, between 20 and 21. Do you still trust in Jesus Christ? They don't have to get baptized again. They've already been baptized. But if they're still holding on to the faith that they said they had when they were the children... And they still love Jesus Christ the, way the, same, the same way they said they loved him when they, they were children. They publicly declare that and they enter into adult membership. They have the voting rights, etc., etc. It's a blessing. It's a good thing, isn't it? It's protection for the church. Protection for the church. Protection for them. Protection for everyone. It's a win-win. We all win. Because if you love Jesus Christ, you should be unashamed to stand up and declare it. Your knees could be knocking. You'd be scared to death of giving your testimony. But Jesus Christ is worth it, isn't he? If thou shalt confess with the mouth of the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart, God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The Bible says, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, doesn't it? It's got to be a public confession. It has to be. It's got to be there if you're saved. So what I'm trying to say is, when someone gets saved, they publicly declare their faith by being baptized, and then they join the church. And, and the church is the body of Christ. That's what the Bible calls us, the, the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ in Luke. And, and when you join the body of Christ, when you join with the body of Christ, you need a head. The head is not the pastor. I'm so glad I'm not the head of this church. This church is the head, and it's certainly not me. His name is Jesus, amen. He's the head, we're the body, we're all equal, right? Because someone has to stand up here and preach, we all get that. But Jesus is the head, we're the body. And we are under the body, we are under the head. And the body cannot function without the head. We need Christ, we can't function without him. That how, that's how it works corporately as a church, but it also works individually as a Christian. Christianity is all about dependence, dependence upon Jesus Christ. Every Christian must learn how to look to Christ and enable them to live the Christian life. And I, brethren, I want to tell you something. Most people fail in the Christian life because they don't know how it works. And this, listen, I, I want to share you something. This, this, this will help you. If you take the truth God has given you and you use it, he'll give you more truth. If you take the truth... God has given you and you fight against it, you're going to remain in the dark. The Bible says many more works would Jesus have done in Chorazin and in other places, but he couldn't because of their unbelief. And if we don't have the faith to trust God for the things he's shown us, how can he show us more? You with me here this morning? You've got to take what God is showing you and go with it and grow in it and, 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 and develop in it because that's how Christianity works. Jesus said, without me, ye can do nothing. Christianity is all about being connected into divine. All about being connected into divine. Years ago, I was working in IT in Boston Scientific in Galway and uh, we were sitting around the table in... In, 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 in the canteen 
And we're, we're talking about stories of IT stories, because we're this is the IT department. And, and one of the people said, this really did happen. I said, OK. There was a girl called up Dell. And she says, my computer's not working. So the technician went through some troubleshooting steps. And you need to do this, do that. No, it doesn't work. And spent, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes going through tro troubleshooting shooting steps. And he said, I tell you what, I think what we're going to need to do is a hard reboot. She said, what's a hard reboot? Don't do this unless you know what you're doing. You go to the power switch on your computer and you turn it off. If you do that when you're not supposed to do it, you could mess up your operating system. So you don't do that unless you have to, okay? So she said, okay, where's the switch? And, and uh, he started trying to explain it. She says, I can't see it. He said, why? She said, the electricity's gone out. I won't tell you what he said, but he said, where's the defect of take go up to the gadget, get the box, get your computer in and send it back because you're not smart enough to use it, okay? He didn't say it that quite way. The computer's never going to work unless it's plugged in, okay? The computer's never going to work unless it's working on a power source. And Christianity is never going to work unless you're plugged into Christ. I was watching um, a documentary, I love these things, you know, this documentary of an Audi and a Tesla and a Ford Mustang. The Audi was petrol, Tesla was, 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 was uh, electric, of course, and then the Ford Mustang was an, was an e-car. And they were having a race, a thousand mile race around the States. Now, they were going to keep the speed limit, but they had to race and see who could get back to a certain point first. Now, you probably have, would have guessed the Audi came first because Teslas have to charge in, they have to plug in. They have to plug in and it takes 45 minutes to get a quick charge. Where with it, you just go to petrol station, you plug it, you fill up your car in five, ten minutes. But the Audi did it, no problem. Back, uh, one hands down. Tesla came second, the Mustang came third. I'll tell you why the Mustang came third, folks. Because they found it hard to get charge points. They would go to different places, and, and, and the Ford computer would say, there's a, a charge point here, they, oh, it's broken. And then they'd have to go to another place and go 20 miles out of the way to get a charge point. And then on, an, on, on another occasion, on their journey, they found a charge point and it only gave them a trickle charge. So after 45 minutes, they got 2% charge. And brethren, I'm just thinking, this so illustrates the Christian life. We try to live the Christian life. We try to be the good mom. We try to be the good dad. We try to be the, the good parent. And, and we shout at our kids. We lose the rag. We, we get all sorts of trouble with ourselves because we're only on a trickle charge. We read a few verses of the Bible and we think that's going to get us through for the rest, rest of the day. No, it's not. And some people read their Bibles and they think it's going to get them through for the rest of the week. I need more than one meal a day. I need more than one meal a week. I'm hungry, I like to eat. Brethren, we can't get by in a trickle charge. You've got to plug into the vine. Brethren, unless we're plugged directly into Christ, our Christianity is not going to work. I've heard people say, oh, oh I tried that before, it doesn't work. That's like getting a Tesla. Imagine I got a Tesla. I'm not on the right salary grade to get a Tesla, but let's say I did. And I got a Tesla. And I drove my Tesla to church and back a few times. Came home again. I said, this thing doesn't work. And I put it in the done deal. Who wants to buy a Tesla for five euros? It doesn't work. And John says, Dad, before you sell it, plug it in. 
Just plug it in, see what happens. I plug it in. Woo! The charge is going up again. I get another 250 miles out of my Tesla. Brethren, I want to tell you something. If people say Christianity doesn't work, the only reason they say it doesn't work is because they've never plugged into Jesus Christ. They're trying to do it on their own and it's never designed to work that way. Christianity is a religion, living religion. It's a living faith. You can't just say, okay, what are the rules? What do I have to do? It doesn't work like that. And if you're treating Christianity like that, you're dead. You're dead inside. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just trying to be honest with you. You're dead because you've got no charge. But if you will just get plugged into the vine, you get that socket, you plug it in, you watch that be rise higher, higher, higher. Because when you plug into Jesus Christ, all of a sudden your faith takes off. And I want to tell you something. The number one Christian, the number one reason Christianity is so struggling in this country is not because of the demonic oppression, not because of the cults, not because of the failures of Catholicism, not because of the religious uh, nonsense that they're throwing at our at our dead religious list nonsense they're throwing at our kids, not because of the, the satanic LGBT filth that they're throwing at our children. The reason why our country is a mess is because Christians are not plugged into Christ. Because where is the life? You don't get your life in school. You don't get your life in the workplace. We get our life in Jesus. And until we plug into Jesus Christ, we're going to struggle. We're just going to struggle. I see some of God's precious children struggling, failing, backsliding, and falling into sin. And it's always the same reason. They're not plugged in. They're not plugged in. I've watched people go from being faithful Christians to just barely hanging in there. It's always the same. Not plugged in. Disconnected. Trying to do it on their own. Brother, sister, if that's where you're at, it's not going to work. You're always going to struggle. And you say, oh, that's just me. Oh, you don't understand. You grew up in a Christian home. Oh, you don't understand. Your wife is saved. None of that is true. That's none of the reasons. I've seen people where both husband and wife are saved and they're both backslidden far away from God. I've seen people grow up in a Christian home. Their lives are a complete mess. None of those things are the reason. Wrong reason. Wrong reasoning. That's not the reason. The reason why people fall away from God is they aren't connected in. Real simple. And the joy about this is, brethren, when we connect in, we all have the power. There's no respect of persons with God. He will not treat you differently than the way he treats me. Aren't you glad about that? God has no favorites. There's no hierarchy in the Christian life. Oh, you're the pastor. You're meant to be going out soul winning once a week, twice a week, three times a week, whatever. Oh, your kids are the pastors. Oh, they're supposed to. Who said that? that rule book up, I'll take it and I'll rip it up myself. No, the reason why I should go soul winning once a week, twice a week or whatever is because I'm a Christian. Hey, you're a Christian too. You're supposed to be doing it too. The reason why I'm meant to be living in victory, the reason why my family is meant to be doing right is because we're Christians. And if we don't do well, we're not plugged into the vine. If we do well, it's because we're plugged into the vine. And the same thing we have to say to our children is the same thing I have to say to you. It's the same thing you have to say to your children. Plug in. Plug into Jesus Christ. That's the key. That's the answer. Oh, you don't understand my circumstances. I have to do this. I have to do that. The other. You know what? You can make reasons every till you're blue in the face. So can I. We can make excuses till kingdom come. 
but it's gonna do us no good. Do you know it's a lot easier? Just plug in. If you spent and I spent more time doing what we're supposed to be doing rather than arguing over the reasons why we're not doing it, we'd be so much more productive as Christians, wouldn't we? Plug in, brethren, plug in and let Christ fill your life. Abiding in Christ is key to our spiritual life, but secondly, I want to share with you. Abiding in Christ is, is key to our spiritual advancement. And this is where it takes off, brethren. This is why you've got to get this. Look at verse 7. It says here in verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Wow. God has promised in his word that you abide in him, your prayer life is going to take off. Isn't that what it says? You ask what you will, he'll do it. That's powerful. Now imagine you were given a blank check. What would you write in? Now, don't say 32 million euros. We've already heard of what 32... A lady recently died of a, of a heart attack. I, I don't have... A, I, this is second-hand information, but as far as I understand, she died of a heart attack recently. But she said when she won 32 million euros in the lotto, or lottery, or whatever it was, she said every day was like hell. Wow. Do you know what that tells me? Money doesn't bring happiness. But I know someone who does. So we should not be looking for riches or for financial security or financial stability or any of those things. We should be looking for Jesus. And you know what? If, if God asked you, like he did with, with Solomon in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask what I shall give thee. Wow! You can have whatever you want. If you're abiding in Christ, I keep going back here, I'm, I'm plugging in, okay, that's what I'm doing, so I go back. If you're abiding in Christ, you're plugged into Jesus Christ, you're going to ask the right thing. The reason why Solomon had the right answer, let me just back up. The reason why God asked Solomon the right question was because he knew Solomon would come up with the right answer. The reason why Solomon had the right answer because his heart was in the right place. Are you with me here this morning? If we're in the wrong place, God's never going to ask us anything like that. You're going to be abiding in Christ. And then you'll come up with the right answer. But that's what God wants for you. He wants that for you. With, sp with spiritual advancement comes an answer to prayer. God wants to answer prayer. He wants to bless your life. With spiritual advancement comes true discipleship. Look at verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. Brethren, we are either going to be followers of our will or followers of His will. Brethren, there are enough people out there going their own way. Would you agree with that? I think we need a few more people going the way of Jesus. Following his will. You know, we're either going to live our own way, or we're going to live in submission to Jesus Christ. Submit. That's like a bad word, isn't it? Who put that word in the dictionary? You know... The poor lady's got to get a hard deal with all this, you know, because they're told, you've got to submit to your husband, and all that hard stuff. But you know, the Bible teaches that everybody's supposed to submit. We're always having an attitude of submission, isn't that right? Submitting one to another in the fear of the Lord, isn't that what it says before it says, why submit to your husbands? We all should have that attitude of submission. 
My aunt really had a hard time with that. My great aunt, I think I told you that before, when she was getting married, when the, when the minister said to honor and obey, she said to honor and okay. She had that hard time. But I think we're all like that. But brethren, I want to tell you something. When you're plugged into Jesus Christ, your will is gone. What does Jesus want? What does the king want? What does the master of all eternity want? What does the one who died on the cross for all my sins want? What does the one to whom I owe absolutely everything want? That's the way to think as a Christian. I think one thing that's really killing our Christianity is this culture of the Western world. And brethren, the culture of the Western world is softening people. If you watch what's going on in America right now, it's really pathetic. Really pathetic. Patriotism is gone. It's been, patriotism has been taken out of every single country. You notice that in the world? All the patriotism is going, 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 gone. The only time you can have patriotism in this country now is at a football match or a rugby match or whatever like that. You know, I just think it's so sad. This culture in the world is softening us. All we want is comfort. I saw a headline in, a, in, a, in an article and it says, we're coming to the place where we're going to be, have own absolutely nothing and be happy. That's the world we're entering into. And it's not because we're Christians. It's because everything's been taken away from us. And you know what? We live in a world full of fear. The narrative of the media right now is fear, 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 fear. You do what we tell you or be afraid. Do what we tell you and then also keep in fear. Because I want you to be afraid still. It's a narrative of fear. And that's what we're in right now. But then I look at the Bible. I look at the Word of God, I look at the disciples, and I see the absolute opposite of the world we live in today. You know, as you read through the scriptures, you realize that none of the twelve expected to live an easy life. Every single one of them expected to die on a cross. Every one of them. That's a different way of thinking, isn't it? All but John who wrote the book of Revelation and the Gospel of John, the first, second, third John, all but John were martyred. As a rule, the first century Christians lived under the shadow of the cross. They had no fear of suffering. Listen to me, brethren. They had no fear of dying. That is the antithesis of this world today. The opposite. In autumn 1854, during London's cholera outbreak, Spurgeon continued to preach. And he went from home to home to those who had cholera, a very contagious disease, and he prayed with them. And he ministered to them. Why? Duty demanded it. And he chose to honour God rather than live under self-preservation. Brethren, this world, the narrative of this world is protect yourself. And we're going so much into our shell of self-protection, we're doing nothing for God because we're too afraid. And I've got to ask the question, is that of God? When I read my Bible, I have to say, 
no, it's not of God. Because what is of God is to say, I'm going to die to myself, I'm going to lose my life. I'm not saying be, fair, be, be careless, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying don't, be, don't take precaution, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying, I read the Bible and I say, how long can we live like this? In the self-protective mode of protecting ourselves. When does Christianity come to life? Why can't we plug into Jesus Christ and let him decide what we're supposed to be doing? Because last thing I checked when I read my Bible, and you agree with me, he is the head, amen? He's the head of the body. Let him decide what we're supposed to be doing. Let him decide where we're supposed to go. Let him decide who we're supposed to minister to. And who cares if you get hurt along the way? If you're doing his will, at least you died a noble death. I don't want to be evil Knievel. He was a motorbike stuntman. He got saved in it. I heard his testimony. Praise God, he got saved. Do you hear his testimony? It was a blessing. But he was a nutcase. And he constantly took his own life in his own hands for no reason other than to be, because he was a daredevil. I don't think we should be like that. But I do think we should be Christian. And we should be stuck being so concerned about ourselves. And we need to start being concerned of, for the souls of men. Because that's discipleship. That's what Jesus taught. And we have to choose between the narrative of the world and the narrative of the word. And the person who is a born-again Christian has to choose God. You have to. You have to, because you're a Christian. That's what we do. And if you're going to choose God, and you say, I can't do this, I'm with you, we can't do it on our own, plug into Jesus Christ and get some power. Get some power. I look at these men in the Bible who chose God rather than being ruled by self-preservation. I say, give me 12 men like that again and we'll change the world again. This world got changed by men like that. We need men like that again. And women, of course. With spiritual advancement comes true discipleship. With, with spiritual advancement comes the love of Christ. And brethren, this is our motive for everything. Verse 9 as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. This is agape love, the love of a Christian. And it isn't human love, it's divine love. You know, do you know what divine love is this? When someone really hurts you. I wonder who in here has been really hurt by other people. I have, and I bet you have too. Really hurt. I mean, really hurt. And you turn around and you show them the love of God. You say they don't deserve it. It doesn't matter. The fact that they don't deserve it makes the love more powerful, doesn't it? That's the love of God. You say, I can't do this. You're right, you can't do this. Plug into Jesus Christ. You get that power source in you, and Christ working through you, you'll do things you never thought were possible. It's all Him. It's all Him. As recipients of His forgiveness and His love, we don't just need to learn how to forgive. We need to learn to demonstrate love to others when it seems impossible. That's the power of God. With spiritual advancement comes the love of Christ. And with spiritual advancement comes joyful obedience. Joyful obedience. Look at verse 11. Verse 10, should I read? If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, I looked it up in the Greek because I thought you might need to know what the word full means, okay? It means crowned up. It means complete. 
Jur really means full. In the Greek, full means full. God wants to fill you with his joy. I love that one too. Being filled with the joy of Christ. You know, I used to drive my car until it was almost empty. I, I got a lot of bad habits from my friend growing up, but, and uh, he drove his car almost empty. So I said, okay, that seems like a great idea. And I drove my car almost empty until one day I ran out of fuel. I thought I had a bit more fuel, but I ran out of fuel and I limped into the petrol station. Praise the Lord. Guess what? I learned my lesson. <laughs> Fill up the car. God wants to fill us with his joy. But brethren, so often we run on empty. Be happy. I'm a Christian. We gotta be happy. Are we happy? That would be a testimony for Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but inside you're not happy. Do you know why you're not happy? Because you're not plugged into Jesus Christ. Now I'm not saying you're happy all the day, like with this fake smile, like you know, people that go, hi! <laughs> and they want to shake your hand, you're like, get away from me. <laughs> Slimy, I'm not talking about fake joy. I'm talking about real joy. That no matter what's going on in your life, you have a peace, you have a hope, you have an expectation, you have Jesus. And say, everything's going to be okay. My life may be falling apart right now, but guess what? Lord, you have this one. You got this one. It's joy. Joy. David put it this way, my cup runneth over. What a way to live, huh? Fully charged. How's your car today? It's fully charged. I plug it in every morning. I go home, I plug it in again. Now, I don't even have any car, but you get the point. I plug it in when I go home again. I always like to run on a full charge because I don't know when I want to make a longer journey and I don't know when the next point is. I want to be ready and full. That's the way to live, isn't it? Rather than living half empty, well, I'll get a bit of church, just like the, the lady that was, was talking to a, a lady who was trying to sell her house, and, and the, the lady who was trying to sell her house was, uh, oh no, the other way around, the lady who, who was trying to sell the house was talking to the lady who was selling the house, and the lady who was selling the house uh, said to her, <laughs> forget all that. It's like the one lady that talked to another lady, keep it simple. And, and she says, so do you go to church? She says, oh, occasionally. And she turned around saving her cup and says, is that because your preacher only preaches occasionally? <laughs> That's a good answer, isn't it? Folks, I want to tell you something. If there's food going, get down to the buffet and eat, amen? Feed your soul. I love all-you-can-eat buffets. I can only do them out once a week, amen? Because I'm still going on off the buffet for a few days. But brethren, we need to eat. And if the word of God has been measured out and there's a, a good steak being stuck on your plate, you get stuck in there and you enjoy it and you thank God for that steak and you stew that steak and you eat on that steak for as long as you can eat it. Brethren, we need to feed our souls with the word of God. We need to feed our souls with, and, and fill our lives with Jesus Christ. We need to be so filled with the Holy Spirit that our cup runs over. I mean, you should be bubbling over with the love of Christ and the joy of Christ. I'm just going to be happy now. I'm going to be like that. Okay. No, it doesn't work like that at all. Plug in. You just plug into Jesus Christ and see what he does. Because he's the one that does the work that we can't do. You cannot produce joy in your own heart. You cannot produce love in your own heart. But Jesus Christ can. Because he's God. That's his job. 
Folks, I want to tell you something. We need to be filled with his joy. Finally, abiding in Christ is key to our spiritual life. Number two, uh, abiding in Christ uh, is key to our spiritual advancement. But finally, abiding in Christ is key to our spiritual service. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 here. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends. Praise the Lord. What a blessing. Wow. For all things that I have heard of my Father have I made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye should ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You know, I was telling the church this morning when I was over in Bray, I'm not smart enough to be an evolutionist. I really am not I think you have to have really big brains and have a really big IQ of like about 15 at least. <laughs> That's a joke, okay, I'm trying to be funny here. Um, more like you, it's like Niger or Hunter or something like that. But anyway, but you have to have a really big IQ to be, uh, uh, I can't get my head around evolution. I can't understand how people believe that a tiny little dot about the, an infinitesimal region about the size of a tiny little dot on the page exploded and gave us this ordered creation. I can't get my head around that. So I just don't believe it. I don't believe I'm in a mistake from a primordial soup that exploded. I don't believe my children are a mistake. I don't believe my family a mistake. I don't believe we've got a room full of mistakes. Mistake number one, mistake number two. You know, I don't believe that. In fact, I believe that every one of you have value. I believe God made you on purpose. I believe you're supposed to be here. I believe there's people not here who should be here, who are supposed to be here. I actually believe that, funny enough. Because I believe God has a plan for our lives. I believe God has a plan for your life. And if you will plug into his plan, you're going to take off. You just need to plug in. Some of you may have Teslas, but you're, you put a hole in the floor and you're trying to run it like the Flintstones. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> trying to push it. And it doesn't work that way. Brethren, you have a purpose. Jesus said in verse 16, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. In those days, the disciples were allowed to choose their own rabbi to teach them. Jesus said to his disciples, You didn't choose me. I chose you. Well, I'll tell you something. If you're saved this morning, God has chosen you. You didn't choose to be saved. God chose you. I understand you, you, you have to make a choice. I totally get that. We're not Calvinists here. We believe in whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe in, in free grace offered to everyone and, who, and whoever repents and turns receives that. But in the midst of all this, God is the one that's choosing. Do you understand? You're responding to his grace. And you have to make that choice. I get that. You get that. But God has chosen you for a purpose. You have a purpose in your life. And when you find out what that purpose is, you're going to just take off like a rocket. Not like the rocket I was looking at the other day that went exploding. A lot of energy was going out of that rocket, but it went nowhere and went, fell over. No. I mean, take off. Take off to the moon or something. Probably not to the moon, but you get the point. Look what it says here in verse 16. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. God wants to make your life fruitful. Listen to me, brethren. There are people you can reach for Jesus Christ that no one but you can reach. 
You're the person that God wants to use. And you've got to ask yourself the question, am I available? Do I want God to use me? But that's your purpose in life. To be used of God. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Your job is to get out there and reach people. And God has people he wants you to reach. And the Bible says, those people you reach, verse 16, and that your fruit should remain. The word means remain, remain means to abide, to endure, to stand. God wants to make you so fruitful that when you reach someone, that person goes on in the faith. Isn't that what you want? We had a brilliant men's meeting on yesterday, brilliant time. And I asked the men, I said, what would you like to be your enduring legacy? What's the most important thing to you? Every single person said, I want my kids to walk with God. Praise God. That's an honorable thing to say, amen. I almost want to have everybody clap now, but we won't. I love it. And then we asked the question, what will it take to get there? It's a hard question, but we talked about it. There was one thing I didn't mention, I'm going to mention it now. Plug into Jesus Christ. Because when you plug into Jesus Christ, you break through that glass ceiling. There is an invisible ceiling that's stopping most of God's children taking over him. It's a glass ceiling of their own making. An invisible barrier they've made up in their own heads. But I want to tell you something. If you just plug into Jesus Christ... The power of God will propel you past that glass ceiling and you can walk with God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. My question to you this morning is, are you willing to abide in Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. I do love to preach and share these things, Lord, tremendous. Thank you for Thank you for listening to today's message on the Gospel Baptist Church podcast. To view this and similar messages as a video or for more information about Gospel Baptist Church, head over to lukeandchurch.com. That's lukeandchurch.com. Thank you again and God bless.